Hi, and welcome back to Go Native, the business of native plants. I'm Cammie Donaldson, your host with the Native Plant Horticulture Foundation. In this episode, we hear from Bruce Turley, a former native plant business owner in Florida and the current board president for our foundation. Bruce has spent nearly 50 years in the nursery and landscape business. He began as a retail nursery employee, bought out the business, modernized it with native plants, sold it to a new owner, and is now helping young native plant startups. Bruce has a lot of experience to share with us. Bruce, I've known you for a long time. I first met you in connection with Wilcox Nursery and Landscape in Largo, Florida. And I remember my first visit to Wilcox, I think it was possibly in the late 90s or early 2000s. It was a traditional garden center in an urban neighborhood with not what I would call a small section of natives, but for sure the nursery was not a conventional native plant nursery tucked away in the woods. (laughs) It was easy to find Wilcox. There was great signage, but there was a native section. Tell our audience about the evolution of Wilcox Nursery and Landscape and your role there. I started working at Wilcox Nursery in 1977, and as an employee, I worked for the first-generation owners of Wilcox Nursery, which was a traditional garden center slash nursery. As time went on, the second-generation owner came in uh, to ownership, and finally, I became the owner of the business And just prior to me becoming the owner, we started making a conversion to stocking native plants. One of the reasons that happened is I had Audubon members coming to me asking me why we don't have more bird-friendly plants. And I really had already developed a keen interest in native plants and wanted to start converting our nursery to stocking more and more native plants. As I became owner, it allowed me the full reign to make a evolutionary transition into a more focused operation with native plants. The model, the business model, was the idea that as a traditional garden center, it was sort of the hook to bring people into what they saw as conventional garden center in a rather urban area but to be able to find native plants and be educated about the importance and the use of native plants in their landscapes. It was a very successful model for us in the fact that people didn't have to search out a native nurseries particularly. They got exposed to the importance of native plants by going to what they thought was a traditional garden center. So I think it was a very successful model. I think it's a model certainly that can be Uh, applied by a lot of existing uh, traditional garden centers. So it's important to really understand the role of these plants in our environment and be able to communicate that to your customers. Again, Wilcox was a conventional garden center, so we can assume that the person coming in certainly is interested in landscaping and gardening may or may not have any connection to wildlife, but did you find that most people respond positively to that message? I would say yes. I think that, you know, we made the effort to start educating our public. And when you inform them that 
The plants attract butterflies. The plants attract songbirds. More people than not are really interested in that idea that the plants have value that way. And so the more that people actually have been educated, they see newspaper articles, they see programs on TV, they see programs put out by our extension services and our various environmental organizations. We really have a large amount of our public that understands how important native plants are, what these things are that they want to attract and sustain in their yards. You know, it's that idea that native plants create a wonderful dynamic to enjoy in your yard 24-7, 365. And there's always something interesting going on in your yard when you have plants that actually fit the ecological features of your community, of your particular area. Having to educate the consumer is not unique to native plants. This is a problem for many different types of businesses. But it you don't sell education, usually you're selling a product. So that education takes resources, takes time, takes effort. As a business, what were some of the most worthwhile or successful efforts you made in educating your customers without breaking the bank of, you know, having payroll to make and, <laughs> and plants to sell and so forth? What would you advise other nurseries? What works in terms of educational approaches? We do try to work individually and spend time with the customers to do that education. We do special events and programs that we have speakers and educational opportunities that our public can come in and, you know, they get excited if they come to an event. And it's a real destination sort of for them to be able to come to enjoy, you know, a, a really nice event where we have those educational opportunities. The other thing that is really kind of an interesting, it is such a significant and important concept of using native plants that people become passionate about it. One of the things that I have seen as an example is the Master Naturalist program. I've had customers that were long-term customers planting non-natives and they would take the Master Naturalist program and it basically changed their lives. Connecting with Native Plant Society, field trips, programs, even in other environmental organizations, people get the idea of the significance. So they're helping us by educating the public. But one of the really interesting things is that as we become very mission focused with native plants and how they impact our environment, our employees became very passionate about it. They may have come into the business with really no real concept about how significant the idea of using plants, native plants are. And once they get into the whole concept about look at what it does to change your landscape, Look at what it does to change your environment, make it dynamic and enjoyable to see such a diversity of bees and butterflies, and moths and birds, and just, you know, brings it to life that they become very impassioned about learning more and about helping the public learn more too. And I think basically on our end, within the, the retail end, being passionate about what we're doing and being educated about what we're doing and then conveying that to our public. And that means taking extra time to work with them. And, you know, you have to know when too much is too much and when enough is enough, but it is a great opportunity to shift people's thinking into using native plants for a really good purpose. 
So it almost sounds to me like your passionate employees have special relationships with passionate customers, really their partners in advancing this movement, and that partnering with other like-minded organizations like your local Native Plant Society. And you you mentioned the Master Naturalist Program, and which is kind of modeled after the Master Gardener Program, but oriented toward the natural landscape and ecosystems and understanding our state from an environmental, purely environmental perspective. But I think the combo would be fantastic. <laughs> Every master gardener should be a master naturalist. As a business, we try to encourage our employees to take it a step further. We encourage them to take the master naturalist course. It's a really fun process. They enjoy going through the courses. Master Gardener programs, by the way, are great, but uh, the Master Naturalist really connects our employees and the public, uh, other people in the community, to the idea of what the ecology of our area is and how important native plants are a part of that. The uh, continuing education of our employees is really an important part of that, keeping them connected, keeping them learning, keeping them better able to work with the uh, public both as designers and as salespeople to uh, help people make the right choices in what they're doing and, and, and educate them and encourage them. I know I was very impressed a few years ago when I came back to visit Wilcox and you guys had greatly expanded the native section and just greatly expanded the business period. It looked to me like there was a fleet of native landscape designers working. You had a board with all these projects and who they were assigned to. And I was like, wow, things are really happening here on the Gulf Coast, thanks to Wilcox. You know, you had a particular business model working with landscape designers. Can you talk about that a little bit and and how that was different and beneficial? Yeah, that was a very important part of our business model. We had always had an active design an installation uh, landscape operation, as well as our retail part of the business, it occurred to me that the one way that we could really expand the business, help it do a better job of meeting our financial requirements and to expand the business was to bring in more designers and more installation teams. And we did that by making them 1099 independents. That really helped us to exponentially be able to expand the business There's downsides to that. You know, your marketing uh, was a very important part of that because you really have to generate the business to keep everybody busy and to generate that level of business that you're looking for. To some extent, you start to lose a little bit of control sometimes of some of the ethic of your designers. But all in all, though, you know, it just means that it's another management level that you have to address in your business program. So it really did take us to a whole nother level where we just were able to keep adding capacity to our business through the 1099 model. Partnerships with designers. And I know, of course, so many people have benefited from the fact that you, Bruce, have over 40 years of experience in this industry and you've been working with native plants for so long and you've used them in landscapes for years and years and years and in so many different settings that you are able to actually help educate and train even those designers, help them make better plant selections. And looking back on how you got started and your career at Wilcox, and then you you bought the nursery from your former employer, do you see now things that 
if you had known about them, opportunities, if you had understood or seen them that could have helped you accelerate more? I mean, the the advancement of native plants or in terms of your business, were there things that now you would advise someone, be sure and look at this or be prepared for this? <laughs> I wish when I was younger, I had the resources that I think some of the young people have now. When you look at the history of when the native plants Society was started when the Florida Association of Native Nurseries was started in our part of the world. That didn't really exist when I came through college or got out of college and started working. And I guess one wish I had was that I had those resources and that we started on an earlier footing with native plants and this concept in our business model of promoting native plants and native landscaping. One of the things we still promote with our employees, too, is college classes and going through college programs. And there are plenty of college classes and degree programs that are avenues to entering this area of business and using native plants. You know, it's an ongoing process, the learning process, uh, educating our public, our public becoming better informed and, uh, you know, becoming better informed ourselves. As we never stop learning. You know, I'm fascinated also by you officially, I mean, you sold Wilcox and and kudos to you, Bruce, for seeing the transition of Wilcox, which is such an important community institution, particularly for the native plant community and the, the environmentally oriented gardening community in Pinellas County, overseeing that to the next generation. I, I, am I correct that this is now the fourth generation of ownership? That is correct. Our operation was started as a family operation back in the late 40s. We've been a part of the community for a long time. So yes, uh, the new generation that is now in command and ownership is the fourth generation. I personally, I think it was really fortunate to have somebody that actually worked for me in high school go on to get their college education in our field and got years of uh, field experience. And then just did an incredible job and continues to on the business end of understanding how to run an efficient business, how to continue what I basically started with the business of sustainable native landscaping and and retail native plants. It was very fortunate. I would hope that other business owners would consider making a transition like that. Sometimes it takes a while to find the right individual both with financial resources, but also the passion and the interest in what you've started and what you're doing. For us older generation, I think it's also important to really help the next generation, keep educating them, keep supporting them with resources and whatever you can do to help them along. One of the things that we've started, you know, besides selling the retail business, we've also, I've also been working with uh, one of my former employees, he and his wife have started a wholesale nursery locally, growing and selling native plants. And so with both operations, they both have pretty substantial teams working with them. And we have a few people outside of those teams as well that we're now been doing some regular hikes through the years, selling and installing and designing native plant landscapes. It was always interesting when you would hear the uh, client go on hikes out into natural areas. And they would come back to me really excited about, oh my gosh, I went out and I saw these plants in their natural element. You don't see that with the non-natives unless they're invasive. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, they just get so excited about that. It, it, it kind of completes the whole story about what you're going to attract and what dynamic you're going to create in your landscape by using native plants. And now they're seeing it in the wild and realizing how much that really means those plants are a part of our natural environment and how it fits, how it's meant to be. So, you know, now we're taking these teams from our nurseries and some other people that we're doing regular hikes, going out and sharing with them some of our natural areas so they know what's out there. And in some cases, some of these areas have plant communities and plant species that are really rare to see in the wild. And I want them to know that they're there. I want them to learn more about how special our natural areas are and how important native plants are to our landscapes. And this just helps that, you know, a step further. I know you really enjoy what you now have time and are able to devote yourself to helping the wise hands, the small wholesale nursery in St. Petersburg, do by propagating plants. And I'm always impressed with the availability list that we get from the wise hands because they really seem to be focusing with your assistance on getting some of these wonderful native plants that are not really available out there, at least locally, so that people can can get them. It's really important to keep that diversity in the trade as well as getting the quantities up on the other more commodity natives and keeping the quality up. I mean, just all these things that we have to hit with your assistance, I guess, Wise Hands is able to get that diversity into the inventory. Thank you, Bruce. That's a great gift to everyone. I know all the retailers on the Gulf Coast and in Central Florida that are getting plans from you all are really grateful for the ability to get clematis and, and other things that are less available. Well, hopefully that continues to expand. The, the wholesale nursery is a very young operation. It has a lot of evolution and development to do to keep building the operation. And, you know, there's an interesting point there, too, that as that operation started, it, one of the objectives was to start trying to fill some of the gaps in the availability and some of the species in our native plant market. What we really found, and this is really reflective of the education and the information that's out there to the public these days, is that our plants that serve as host plants and nectar plants for butterflies and pollinators is just off the hook. And I think that if a lot of mainstream nursery people, traditional nursery people, understood how much demand there is out there because we're not able to meet fully the demand. And that's only going to keep growing as we see certain avenues where developers and builders and government entities are using more and more native plants. But what we found was that that was where the big demand was and where we needed to reshift some of our focus. I think if more people in mainstream horticulture businesses understood the demand for these plants, I think they have no idea. And I, you know, one little story is that some years ago, I had a grower who was growing bedding plants. And I talked them into the idea that they should expand into native plants, which they are, have now been for many years totally, uh, they are totally a grower of native wildflowers. And the comment was and has been for years, if they hadn't made that transition from bedding plants 
in the competitive world that, uh, that you know, traditional bedding plants, you know, he was trying to compete in. If he hadn't gone to, to growing native plants, he would have probably been out of business. And he's just really grateful that years ago he made that transition to growing native wildflowers. And there is a tremendous opportunity out there, you know, even if you're, you know, a traditional nursery, wholesale or retail, you know, start growing some native stuff that people are looking for. The demand is there and the demand is going to continue to grow. And we really have a huge need. There's such a shortage throughout the horticulture industry of growers. So, you know, we really need that, that base covered. But in particular, we have a really growing dynamic native plant industry and uh, the demand is going to continue growing. So we need more people thinking about that, thinking that this should be the option that they take as growing native plants, helping our communities to be sustainable. And that's the way to do it. Bruce, I'm going to ask one of these questions that I've asked you before, and you always very wisely counsel me on why that's not a good route. You know, I see with the food crop growers, conventional uh, food agriculture, there's so much interest in controlled environment agriculture, growing indoors, growing under LED lights. And I know that access to land can be an obstacle for growers. And I've asked you about this before, and you said it's just not economic. There's It just doesn't make sense. And maybe there's issues with the plants and their photo periods that we don't understand. But for any of our people out there that might be thinking, can I do this in my uh, garage? What would you tell us? Oh, that's a really good, interesting point. You know, for years, I've had these dreams and these little concepts in the back of my mind that if you had like an old warehouse and you had like a glass roof or a, a you know, a poly panel or something that and grow lights that you could do some sort of multi-layer growing in an indoor environment. And that's a high cost <laughs> proposition. <laughs> and I know actually that there are people out there that have deep pockets. They've got the finances that they could probably do something like that. I happen to live in a very densely populated area with very limited free space for land for nursery operations. It's a little bit of a problem, and it's becoming more and more critical through more and more areas of the state and through other areas of the country where our population growth and agriculture, and which includes uh, the nursery businesses, are getting a squeeze uh, for that land and the value of the land. And I think that maybe as more time goes by, that maybe this concept of indoor growing is going to become more and more feasible when it comes to the cost effectiveness. Again, I know there's people out there that have the financial resources that it would be an interesting avenue to go down. I'm just not sure that anybody's going to be sold on the idea that it's still cost effective at this point in history, but uh, that time may be coming really soon. I think we have to look at you know alternative ways of doing things all the time. I really learned after taking over ownership of my business that when the Great Recession hit, you had to be thinking on your feet every day. There has to be better ways of doing what you're doing. There has to be always new ways of structuring your business and how you think about your business. So we have to be creative and open-minded there. I think sometimes in small businesses, we can be very narrow set in our focus and our thinking to the point that, you know, we don't know how to expand our businesses. We hurt ourselves by not knowing when the right 
Harpers are there, you know, for hiring and for how we go about expanding businesses and or changing totally how our business works, how it's structured, what our resources are. There is another thought on that. You know, in a lot of urban areas, there are underutilized properties. And I think there's some opportunities there for people wanting to get into a nursery business that finding the right properties that maybe somebody wants to see their property put to use, maybe down the long road is making, they're making an income, some sort of rental or uh, even selling the property in some sort of affordable way to somebody. And I think there may be some opportunities there that people need to think about. I'll also comment that one of my growers that, uh, again, specializes in native wildflowers has five acres. They actually grow in a very small area that can almost would think of as being like a backyard kind of proportion. So there are things that can be done in small spaces. In this case, the growers growing in four inch pots, not in larger sizes, but they move everything out in four inch pots. So, you know, there's all kinds of models and opportunities to think of creative ways to be in business. That's a really good point too, about the small acreage, because certainly within FAN, we had have had and still have many members who are effectively backyard nursery operators, some as small as one or two acres. And so the finding your niche, maybe those small size pots, moving them quickly. Then as we know here, there's this huge demand for wildflowers that can't really readily met. So that's that's a really good other model. Chris, is there anything else that you would like to say to the person out there that's wondering, I love this idea of native plants and growing for the environment and a career that really contributes to the sustainability of my community. What would you say to the person that might be trying to figure out where they belong in this industry? You know, educate yourself, learn as much about native plants and what you want to grow as possible. Learn about your market. You know, that's all part of developing your business plan is that you need to know where where is the need in your community? Is it that landscape people and retailers? need the plants? Uh, is there a need for retail that you could be filling retail? Is there, you know, the need for somebody designing and installing the landscapes? And maybe there's all of that. And so you have to kind of figure out your niche. You can't really be very easily a retailer or a landscaper if you don't have the material, the plants readily available to you. So maybe, you know, having a somewhat of a growing operation and that supplements, you know, retail or landscape. You just want to be careful not to overwhelm yourself. I think one of the lessons in business is we all need you know, mortgages, we all need loans once in a while, but you don't want to overwhelm yourself with taking out too much credit. When we end up in these down financial markets like we did with the Great Recession, it can really hurt you. And that was certainly a, a lesson I think a lot of us learned you know, back during that period. So that is kind of important, you know, do it incrementally, do it at, at, with what you're comfortable with, but by all means, follow your passion. That's great. And, you know, you've made the point that some of our other podcast interviewees have made that be very careful about debt. It is a cyclical business and a recession will come <laughs> sooner or later. And, you know, whether another factors play into that too, I mean, it's, so you can have a, a year with a, a bad tropical weather setup that can really hurt your business. Uh, you might have a year with an exceptional cold weather that could really hurt your business. 
One interesting thing, though, that I will say is that usually adversity, if you're well set to write it out, becomes a big opportunity on the back end. And that's uh, one of the things, even with normal recessions, that is oftentimes an up uh, tip for uh, the nursery business because uh, people aren't spending money to go to around the globe on a vacation or doing other extravagant things with their money. They start to focus on going out in their backyard and doing planting. And we are very much benefited usually by those kind of financial cycles. But you do just want to be careful about your overwhelming yourself with too much credit and payments when you hit those down cycles. It's really tempting when money and cash flow is good, but you want to put some of that money away for rainy days, so to speak. One of the big mistakes that I made through my years, and probably some business people are going to gasp at this, business consultants, and they can be very expensive. They can lead you down a rabbit hole. And I'm sure people are starting to throw rocks at me now, but it is one of the big mistakes that I made in business. There's a lot of times that people tell me, you know, you have better business sense than what some of these people are telling you, but they can also really burden you financially. And they do it rather deceptively sometimes. The first time I experienced this to get referrals, my referrals all happen to be out of town and these people are very quick to move in on you. So just beware of that. And I really kind of hate to have to bring that up, but I feel very strongly about it because it really uh, gave me some setbacks. So find ways of getting consulting without committing to big contracts or people that really want to kind of overconnect themselves to your business. You know, find local business classes or innovation uh, incubators and whatnot that you can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So pursue assistance cautiously, carefully. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe involve, uh, maybe get somebody else to help analyze your potential consultant relationship. And I have a local grower right now who's, uh, you know, also a very young operation, kind of started as a backyard operation. He did a tremendous amount of footwork of going to different native nurseries, talking to people, getting the ideas, researching how to do the growing. And I'll tell you what, he is doing a bang up job by the fact that he took that effort. He's really learned what the needs are in the market. He's found his resources and he is growing really high quality plants. And he's got a cautious model that he's uh, not trying to overextend himself by marketing to too many markets yet. Uh, he's trying to, you know, deal with some of the local people and uh, maximize that. And uh, hopefully, down the road, he'll find his his way to expanding. But I'm just my hats off to him because he's done such a really incredible job. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to see and learn more about that. That's what we want to hear coming in down the pike. I mean, that's our our mission for our foundation and the need for all of us is to have more native plant growers, more people in this industry. And uh, I know I want a tissue culture of Bruce Turley so we can have more Bruce Turleys in the world. <laughs> Bruce, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. We're coming to the end of our time. I know I've asked you a bunch of questions that weren't on the list because I couldn't find my list in the setting that I'm in. So I appreciate you rolling with it and doing such a great job. One last shot, if there's anything you want to say to our audience. I would just kind of wrap this up by saying that this 
idea of being in a business, selling, growing, promoting native plants, using them in landscape designs, the pleasure and the reward from it is far beyond anything in conventional parts of the market. It's a big herd. And the type of people that you attract to your business are people that you really want to connect with. I mean, you really... In this type of business, you really connect with wonderful people that have wonderful ethic and have interesting lives, too, to share with you. And it's just it's a whole different ball game to have people that are really kind of more concerned about the environment and, and nature. And uh, they're just great people. And it, it really complements a great business uh, to go that avenue. And, you know, the more that you get into this and the more you learn about native plants and ecology, it just becomes a passion. It becomes so interesting. And you can never learn everything. I've, you know, we'll all be learning till our last breath. And it's just an exciting field. And it's a, it's a burgeoning field using native plants, growing native plants. So, you know, if you have any inkling at all that this might be the direction to go, absolutely. Follow this path, which will set you apart from other people in mainstream horticulture and something that Sometimes it feels a little lonely, but when you connect to organizations like we have here in Florida, FAN and the uh, Foundation and Native Plant Society, you find your home with other people and your passion has people that really back you up and support what you're doing. And there is a tremendous market out there. And it's only continuing to grow as people become more educated and more information is made available. Our climate is changing. There's no argument about that in my mind. And this is a, a very important way to deal with climate change as well. And as far as, you know, where a lot of us are looking to how to be more sustainable, more green in our lives, one of the easiest ways to do it is by using native plants in your landscape in one way or another. You know, adding a few at a time, it can be a gradual process, but it's one of the most affordable ways of being sustainable is start, you know, small if you need to, but start adding those native plants and reaping the rewards of that 24-7, 365 dynamic. Fabulous. And Bruce, you're fabulous. Thank you, Bruce. Listeners, if you're interested in the business of native plants, we are interested in you. Be sure to visit our website, nativeplanthort.org, to learn more and support us. 